This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hello, friends. Welcome to another KFS Nick's Film School live stream. I'm here with the one and only DJ Ace Zulo. DJ, I just realized Andrew just told me that it's the first time we're actually meeting mm. on a screen. <laughs> now we spent a lot of time together on the on chatting about basketball. If that but, is not uh, a 2023 is, statement, I don't know what is. True, exactly right. Yes. But this is yeah. truly an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Yes, because, sir. my Likewise. friends who are watching, if, if you ever wanted to talk to two guys who love watching basketball and breaking it down, a great time to do so is when there's no basketball being played. <laughs> we are here for you to discuss anything you want to talk about. We'll even answer questions about the salary cap. We just may have to text Jeremy Cohen on the side to figure it all out, but we will answer them to the best of our abilities. But before we begin, before we take any questions, I do, I did just see some breaking news. I wanted to, I just came across the wire. I didn't want to break it here. DJ, I don't know if you've seen this yet. Um, Damian Lillard might want out. Really? But he might not. He might not want out. Uh, so what are you saying? Broken by Woj and by Chris Haynes. They both said that he might. It's possible that he might want out. I don't know if you have any thoughts, but that's where I wanted to start. So we're back. At, we've never left square one, one right? We've been in the same spot of uh, a couple steps one way, a couple steps back, kind of in the same uh, spot right now. Listen, I don't know if we differ on this, but. You know, Dame Lillard at his age, what he's done, it, you know, the fact that he wants the perfect basketball spot, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't hate on it. I think he's, he's kind of earned this, earned this right. And yes, it's a little nauseating to kind of go through this over and over again, but I don't know, man. There it is. <laughs> the flashing along the bottom line. It's flashing along the bottom. That's great, Andrew. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Damian Lillard might want out of Portland. And DJ, I'm glad we're starting here because let me, yeah. let me start right away with the disagreement. Yes. I am hating on it. I am okay. so sick and tired of this story. We are five years in of Damian Lillard simultaneously trying to convince us that he's the most loyal person in the universe, whilst also constantly dropping hints that he wants to leave. I am tired of it. We get it. Just go to Miami. Enough. And by Unless, the way, uh, this, we can, yes. this we can talk about. Him on Miami is a very dangerous situation for the Knicks and anybody else in the Eastern Conference in all seriousness. However, I I want it to happen. I've had enough. I've had enough. Well, I I don't know. There was a report that just came out a few hours ago that he's looking for a dream scenario, according to Sam Amick, uh, to remain in in Portland. That is um, uh, Jeremy Grant. That's Draymond Green forming whatever you would call that, a pseudo big three, whatever that is. Um, Listen, I, I get it. Uh, from your perspective, it's a lot. 
But I think that uh, unfortunately, Dame is in this spot of like trying not to be Kevin Durant, where he's forcing his way over to a super team, but he's also trying to remain loyal at the same time. So it's tricky. And I feel like it's a lot of this hate should probably be disseminated towards the media and the fans and this ring culture, because that's sort of fueling what Dame is trying to sort of uh, thread the needle with a little bit. I mean, yes, he deserves. I wish he would just pick a lane and stick with it. But pick again, a pick a lane, it, Damien. It's, it's it's hard, man, because whatever he whatever he does, he's going to get the hate, right? So he's, he's trying to like, if he's going to leave, at least he didn't. He, you know, he he had to go because Portland couldn't make the moves, couldn't um, give him a title contender. So it's tricky. I don't know, but I, I get it. It's I I just I want it to come to an end. But if it comes to an end with Miami, maybe we can kind of delve into it as we move along. You you alluded to it, man. That threesome would be hellacious. Yep, I mean, it would it's, be. It's kinda, it's, Perfect. So they complement so, each other perfectly, so those perfect. three, in a way that I don't think we've ever seen in like the big three era, as it were. And I mean, I guess they go the back Miami to the Lakers. original one. Yeah, like even the right Miami there. original one, like I do think there was some Wade LeBron overlap that I mean there's the talent was so through the roof, at least when Wade right. was healthy, that it didn't matter. But to have the guard, the point guard wing big big three mm. is a very rare commodity in the NBA. I I, I would probably go back to like magic worthy Kareem mm. um, as an example. Obviously those are, that's a higher level. I mean, we're talking about some of the best players of all time, at least two of them. Um, but that's the kind of thing where the, the it just seems so perfectly complimentary. I mean, I guess Steph clay Draymond in some way is kind of similar, but it's um, that would be a, a hellacious big three that not sure if we lost uh, Benji there, but Andrew in the, in the chat, is, are we there? Uh, there you go. You cut off for a moment. Ah, sorry, everybody. All right. I guess with that, we can start. We can get going with the super chat. Hold chats. on. DJ was reading my my suggestion. Yes. Well, yeah. let me. Yeah, Andrew puts it in the chat. I mean, Garnett, Pierce, Allen. Uh, to his point, that that is in terms of complimenting uh, complimenting each each other. That's about as good as you can get. Um, so that would probably be the best analog to uh, a Lillard, Butler, Adebayo, big three. Um, in terms of like modern NBA, it's a good one. I mean, it, it would be tough. I mean, I don't know how you... Re- I mean, they would have to be amongst the favorites, but I think the Miami's got a lot of work to do to try to make that happen because I don't know if Portland necessarily has a lot of interest in Hero, but we can maybe get into that later on. Yeah, I hear. I hear. All right, good. So with that, I think we can start welcoming the the Super Chats. Let's get going with it. Let's hear what everybody here has to say. I know you guys are all very bored because I have seen your tweets <laughs> and they are terrible. So let's get it going with the Super Chats. Kareem... Myrie, thank you so much for your contribution. What up, KFS? Much love from Fort Lauderdale. Ah, a Southern Floridian as we're talking about the Miami. Would Kaminga for Obi make any sense or not? Here we are. This is peak offseason, Kareem, <laughs> question right here. We love you for it. I'm going to let DJ start with this one. So what do you think, DJ? Kaminga um, for Obi trade. Uh, it does. I mean, it doesn't make sense only because of you're left in the same position in terms of the minute allocation. I mean, Kaminga is not going to generate the minutes to to warrant a, a move in that situation. And frankly, he probably doesn't space the floor enough in the in the Knicks offense right now to make that a worthy um, trade. Now, in terms of player to player, if I'm just put in a vacuum, I actually probably like the upside of Kaminga a little more, but right now he just isn't, I mean, uh, 
when Obi plays, he's a, he's a good player. And Kaminga right now, there's, he's just too rough around the edges, though. The, as I mentioned, the ceiling is, in my opinion, rather high. But again, if you make that trade one for one, you're in the same position. He's a power forward, probably big wing, 4-3, that you're going to have to try to figure out how to get 20 to 25 minutes out of. And you just with Randall there and healthy, it, it just isn't, isn't going to work out. Yeah, I, like I agree. Idea, yeah. Yeah. From a, yeah, from a Knicks perspective, I think the problem would be would be the minutes. And then also, look, if you had, you know, I think Kaminga, maybe at least the realized version of Kaminga has a better chance of playing a small ball five type position than Obi just because of his just size. Um, although Obi's very athletic, just his Kaminga is more fleet of foot. You can be He's a little stronger. Bit probably. He's Honestly. definitely, definitely stronger. Yes. Yeah. So I think theoretically, if the Knicks were ever play that way, I think that would be an interesting wrinkle, but we know the coach that we have. We know the way he wants to play, it, it, whether it was Kaminga or Obi Toppin, he's not going to play small ball five. So these right. guys will be pigeonholed into that four spot where there are those very limited minutes that where the Obi brought. Now what's interesting is you do reset, I guess by a year that you don't have to make the decision as quickly. If you're the Knicks about extension eligibility and such, but I just don't really see the fit 100%. And on Golden State side, do they want to extend Obi Toppin? Um, or would they rather see one more year of Kaminga and make a decision there? I would probably say the latter. I don't think this would even, from their perspective, make a ton of sense um, because they don't need the spread as much as the Knicks do, right? The Knicks are desperate for that shooting that Obi has started to provide. Um, Kaminga doesn't provide that. But on the other end, Kaminga gives that, a Golden State that strength and athleticism and when it's going right and when he looks good, you can see why they're so high on him and what, what why they selected him in the first place. I'm not sure Obi fits in the same way. I do like Obi's pace with that Golden State unit for sure. Yep. Um, I just don't know if it quite fits as well as the, at least, again, the realized version of Kaminga. Yeah, I would agree. And now just say if we can just kind of hang on one point, because you had mentioned it or you had talked about it before about Obi's lack of strength and sort of what that how that limits him and his finishing numbers really took a dip this year. And I know we've talked, we've talked about it um, before to me. And there, there are certain things about Obi's game in terms of skill wise that, that kind of leaves a little bit to be desired, but the fact that he's never really developed NBA level strength to play the four or five to me is the biggest issue kind of holding him back a little bit because it affects, it kind of affects everything. It affects the ability to maybe be a little more versatile in terms of if you had a coach that wanted to play him at the five, I don't know if it would work out in any way defensively because of the limitation strength wise. And then as a finisher, he just can't go through um, players. Um, it, it's, it's something that it was an issue coming out of college and it's never really, uh, become something he can lean into. What, how are you viewing him in, in terms of like that limitation, how that affects everything about his game? Yeah, you know, I, I remember posing the question on on the in our KFS faculty room, which was like, are we sure that Obi Top is an elite finisher? I think we throw that out there and almost as an assumption because he is so athletic, obviously, and that was the whole rep coming into the NBA was one thing we know is he'll be an elite finisher. I, I'm not right. sure that's really translated. Now, there is some opportunity opportunity explanation to that. Like, what kind of rim reps is he getting? He's not a roller very often. He's not getting to just, like, kind of catch and explode very often. It's usually attacking a closeout where there's more help. All can be kind of factors as to why it hasn't translated the way we thought it would. But I absolutely agree with you that he doesn't. he can't really hit you on a jump and then finish. You know, I haven't seen that a lot. He has to right. be able to kind of explode over you in yes. order to finish. 
And I think that does limit him in certain ways. And that does go kind of to the strength point. And Kaminga is an interesting contrast. I think I'm not looking at Kaminga's finishing numbers right now. I don't know how they look, but at least when I've watched him, that's a guy who, if he gets up in the air with you, he'll knock you off and finish. Um, that's not to say he's a better finisher than Obi or not, because again, I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but it's an interesting contrast that this question kind of poses is mm. two, two kind of fours. One doesn't stretch the floor yet at all. One starting to, they both are very athletic players, but in different kind of ways. And so it's an interesting thought exercise. So thank you very much for the question. Uh, we, we appreciate it. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D, dogs, D-O-G-S, dot com, and promo code POOL, P-O-O-L, to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Uh, we got Ben. Kim Gervy, what's up, Ben? Benji, the much younger. I assume that means I'm younger than you, Ben, but I don't know how old you are. So. You're younger than me, too, so I mean, it can go both ways. I don't know. But Red Holtzman's older than everyone here. He is. All right, noted. Thanks for doing this. Imagine if we leveraged Hartenstein passing at the top of the key. <laughs> what actions do you see and what do we need to make it happen? I have a feeling that Ben is preaching to the choir here, but DJ, why don't you take this one? Yeah, I mean, to me, the, I, I, I'm, it's two, two things. I don't know if uh, the offense necessarily... It's, we know the offense isn't utilizing his skills um, to the mo the most of its ability, but I think the problem is, and I've, this has been one of the biggest issues I have with sort of the Knicks under the Leon Rose uh, regime. We, we, they don't have a lot of natural cutters, and I know you can sort of build in cutting naturally or, or um, artificially into an offense with just the way you function, have more of a motion style. But to me, a lot of like great 
cutting teams. Like you, we talked about Dwayne Wade earlier. I mean, he is the poster child of like a guy that could just see a seam and just be able to time that cut perfectly. Then of course he had great passers to sort of take advantage of that. Hartenstein, you have the passing, but do the Knicks, I mean, other than Grimes who can do it every now and then and is pretty good at it. And Josh Hart uh, is actually a pretty good cutter. They really don't have a, they're not, they don't have a lot of great cutters. And I think if you don't have that, you're sort of limited. We know Randall that he's not doing it. RJ just has never been a great cutter. That's not Jalen Brunson's game. So you're really, where is he? How are you building in this offense that's going to be centered around utilizing that Hartenstein passing uh, ability? Yeah, you can sort of go to a little more. And they did sort of in the second half of the year a little bit more. But to me, it's more of a knock on the players that the Knicks have. It just isn't part of their game. And to me, cutting is it's instinctual. It's something that you necessarily, it's hard to teach. I think that's more the issue with not utilizing that passing skill, which we know is great. We saw it with, with the Clippers, but it hasn't been a, a thing. I think that's part of it. And I don't know how you necessarily coach that into your team. It's a great point. You look back at the, you know, if you go back to his film with the clips in his final year there, who was the guy he picked up so many times on that back door? It was Terrence Mann. Mm-hmm. Terrence Mann, right, to your point. Clear is an excellent cutter. That's what he does. It's probably what he does best. Um, and you're right to point out that the Knicks don't really have that guy. What's interesting is that if you, if you close your eyes and think about who did he assist most often on that back door for the Knicks, it was Deuce McBride. He, yeah. he hooked up with Deuce McBride several times, even despite very limited minutes when Deuce and Hardenstein played together. And I think this, again, goes to your point. I think Deuce is an intuitive cutter. And he was able to kind of slip that back door several times. I would say four or five times this season for layups when he got the opportunity. Um, so it's a great point. The Knicks don't necessarily, almost every Nick, other than Quentin Grimes, the instinct is to come around to the ball. We have a lot of guys that like to come around to the basketball. And maybe Obi as well, um, who, who, is, who can be a good cutter. Um, I think, again, has kind of accepted the corner role maybe too readily and too too seriously and too too literally (laughs) um and sometimes needs to vary a little bit and that again that goes to it is a bit of a rigid offense um it's it's a standstill offense a lot of ways we see rj flash to that middle from the weak sides here and there off a randall double team they are good at cutting off the post because they kind of have those built-in reads when randall has it he draws two or brunson has it he draws two they get a cut from the weak side they get a pin in screen on the other side right you can kind of visualize all they do do that well but kind of just like spontaneous cutting around the big trying to go back door they don't do very often i also think i also think that there are absolutely things they can do to utilize it more despite what you just said and and i think look you watch miami play how much delay action did they run? And for those who don't know, delay, you could visualize it because they did it almost the entire series against the Knicks. Bam Adebayo has the ball up top. There are four player, two players on each side of him. He can, they come together. You can pick out a dribble handoff to either side. One guy maybe cuts back door. You try to try to find and, and, and unclogs the lane too for the Knicks who have that spacing issue, right? So you can run delay where you throw Hartenstein the ball at the elbow or at the elbow extended and let him make a decision. Even if you don't get a ton of backdoor action, what I would love to see is more IQ coming off. Jalen Brunson coming off of Hartenstein would be powerful to me. Just as a dribble handoff option off an, off another screen where you maybe give, get him a couple of steps of an advantage before he receives the ball. Quentin mm-hmm. Grimes coming around to shoot the way Luke Kennard came around Hartenstein to shoot with LA. 
They had a great connection, not really on back doors, but just as a DHO shooting opportunity. Um, so it's a little bit of both. I think the Knicks do need to vary their offense. I think one of the ways to vary it is to empower Hartenstein to make more decisions on the top of the key. I think Thibodeau is terrified of somewhat of a turnover propensity, but I think you have to let him go a little bit. And I, I do think it loosened a bit in the second half of the year. I'd like to see more of it. Take this one, DJ. All right. Well, Benji, you're the man. I agree. Oh. You shouldn't have taken that one. That's all. T- I, I mean, I, it is. A- <laughs> but you are the man, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to say, Andrew. Andrew, could you come on and take this one too? <laughs> Benji, you're the man. What's one step forward for any of the younger guys that would push them to the next level? Like RJ shooting 38 percent from three, or Quentin Grimes developing a dribble pull up? Keep up the great work, Benji and DJ. Thanks, Sergio. Wow. Wow, that's so nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and, and, you, and you should take this one first. I'll take it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that would push them to the next level. I wasn't. I wasn't listening. I was just basking. Um, great question. I, I, just because you 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 bring up Quentin Grimes, mm-hmm. I want to see Quentin Grimes driving to score. Um, I think that would be a massive piece of development for the Knicks this year because here's what he has down catch and shoot very confident especially in that left corner where he's going to spend a lot of his time he could shoot that anytime he wants I'm happy it's a good shot for the Knicks that blow by baseline he's got it down he can blow by anybody you have to respect his shot he's there so like I know that those are two givens he's going to make 37-38% at least of his threes I could see that even taking up next year we'll see and I know he's getting into the lane on the on the on the blow by. What happens next is the next step for him because right now it's a lot of looking to pass to hit that drop off, which he did early in the year. I think teams kind of caught on, started playing the pass a little bit more and daring him to go up and score. So I think that ability to drive and then first option is always get up to the rim because he has, he's an explosive leaper. Get up to the rim and finish. And if that is taken away, only then. Is there a drop-off pass? And if that's taken away, then it's the opposite corner pass, right? Like that's the progression for a baseline drive that he needs to ingrain into his mind because he can finish up there. Like he's got the hops to do it. He can finish on the reverse side. He just it's it's a mindset thing for me where he just has to convince himself I can go up and finish with the guys. And then if I can do that and draw the defense, force the defense to play that, that's when my passing really opens up. Right. Cause he's not like a super athlete necessarily. Like if you tested him, like he's not going to test like one of the best athletes in the NBA, but the fact that he's a one foot leaper almost, um, exclusively, it really lends itself into the half court finishing and it's, he's strong enough. I mean, he's going to get stronger. And to me, he needs to uh, sort of uh, dive into that game a little bit more. So I couldn't agree. And then just kind of sticking with him a little bit, you had mentioned the shooting off the catch. I want to see him sort of utilize a little more movement in his, and this is something that's, this is a offensive issue yeah. along with him as well. He is so good shooting to his right. Cause he's, he's sort of a, a right pocket shooter. So it's just, it's very easy for him to get into alignment going right. And it's something he did at Houston all the time in college. And one of the things where in during the pre-draft, I kind of honed in on him so much because he had that high release point. And then he had a little more versatility to his shooting than he's displayed so far in, in the league. And I know that's part coaching, but that's also, I think he's got to explore that, uh, that um, part of his game a little bit more than, you know, um, Sergio mentions RJ. I mean, if he gets to 38%, 
roughly, uh, and and becomes a threat as a spacer. I mean, listen, he's going to be a high usage guy if he's on the on the team. He we know his driving ability in terms of the volume, and I think the finishing is going to get better. But the, the sheer volume of drives, and if he can take that passing ability that he showed a little more in the playoffs and and bring that into next year. His driving overall game is really strong. You add in the fact that he could be a 38% three-point shooter. To me, that would do a lot for that offense. And he's done it before. And I really <laughs> yes, feel... I was going to say, we've seen, we have seen year, this. The second <laughs> year, he did. Yep. Yeah. And MTG I just feel games, like... Right? Yep. I mean, that's... So... Uh, and then I think the second half of his third season, he shot pretty well, if, I, if I'm uh, not mistaken. But I just feel like he's going to will himself into being a decent three-point shooter off the catch. I feel like anytime there's any movement need in terms of his shooting, everything kind of breaks down because he's not a natural shooter. He doesn't have great touch naturally. So everything's got to be very rigid. He's a, he's a very robotic shooter, but you can get away with that off the catch. And especially with Randall and Brunson drawing the attention that they, they will. I feel like it's, it's good enough. Couple that with his driving ability. And then you have a really good offensive player. And then it's the defense is another issue to get that back up to, sort of league average you have a, he's a third option on a really good team. And I think that's where he needs to go. Um, I mean, those are two good ones. And also I would love to see quickly just sort of expand on his shooting game because he's, he's really been more of a catch and shoot pull up game. Is there any more movement you can coax out of him as a shooter? Because that really just loosens things up uh, for an offense, any more movement or any, any more movement you can get out of your, out of your players. I think it's good. So uh, they're young guys. So it's certainly something that they can, not be a huge weapon, but just be something they can go to every now and then. My, it's interesting. My counter to the quickly point, I don't know if it's a counter as much as a, as much as a response is I actually just think he needs to shoot better. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I think for him, cause he's, he, he, he just needs to be better on catch and shoot. And he needs to be a little bit more of an automatic threat on the pull-up. Like if you go under or, or, or guys in drop, like I, he just needs to be knocked down and he, he does it in spurts. Um, last year there were spurts where he was a really good shooter, but I think for him to kind of reach the level that we want him to get to, because I don't think he'll, he's improved so much as a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, he's improved so much at getting to the line as a passer. He, he has, I don't think he'll ever be an elite driver of the basketball. I think to, to like, if there's really like, a star potential there. I think that comes from becoming an elite shooter, not just a good or pretty good one. Right. Um, like, like be more Am- Amphrey Simons than what he's been. Like Amphrey Simons is a, you compare the two players. I mean, Amphrey Simons is a, not near the defensive player, but he's an elite shooter in terms of the range and the, in terms of the, the versatility and the, all the different shots he can make. I, I would agree. I mean, that's, if he can become a, a, just a legit knockdown, shooter from you know pull up yeah that would be a huge thing so yeah if he adds that and becomes more consistent then he's he's going to be a phenomenal player for for many years i would agree are we going to extend him dj um i hate to put you on the spot i don't think so just because really okay i think it's more him i don't think he has a starting i don't i don't see he foresees himself to be a starter here I don't think the Knicks necessarily view him as a starter alongside Jalen Brunson. Right. And if he's going to get, he's going to get his payday, his like ceiling as a earner, it's going to be a starting point guard somewhere else. 
personally. And listen, is, is there a number they can they can get to that's sort of bridging the gap between where he wants to be, where the Knicks are comfortable? Maybe. Um, but if I had to like right now, I would I would say it's close, but maybe slightly in the no category. Mm. How about you? What do you think? I'm going to say yes. Um, because if nothing else, what I think this front office has shown is like this whole family thing is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, like they just signed Obi's brother, like, like to kind of really put a hammer uh, or, you know, nail, uh, whatever, what's the term, whatever it is. Um, but like they drove it home, they drove home the point. Yeah. This is a family. We're going to, we're going to sign your brother. Um, quite literally it's, um, they take care of their guys. They've taken care of everybody so far. Um, Quickly is their guy. His first, right there, their first year of their first draft. The guy who's really blossomed in this year. I just think they're going to get something done. I don't have any reason beyond that. You're right that there is some dissonance between what the how the Knicks view him and how he likely views himself. And I think that's fair on both mm-hmm. sides, actually. Um, so I think you're right to say that would be the driving force behind. It not being resolved. This you could pay just, him starter money. I mean, you could do that, and it would be fine. You could just do that, and listen. Yeah. You're, you're, and then maybe you figure out a way to like. You can't pay quickly enough to where it's going to be a bad deal. I just don't think that's it. Yeah. He's good. He's good enough to where, even if you're paying his number, it's a tradable deal. It's probably a valuable deal that teams are going to want. You can always get off it. You, I mean, I didn't necessarily give enough thought to that point. You're right. Taking care of. I mean, that's what the Heat do. And he gets saddled with some contracts that they necessarily don't want, but they figure it out, right? And it's yeah. probably given them the ben- benefit of the doubt and sort of some cachet amongst agents, amongst other players. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, know? no, it's it's that's kind of where I'm. I think they'll find the number, just whatever they whatever that number is. I, I do think they will, but who knows? I mean, who knows? It could yeah. it could certainly see it going the other way. Hey, what's up? Jonathan Macri here with our good friends at Oakley to tell you why Jalen Brunson's incredible first season in New York was more than meets the eye. Is it that Brunson became the first point guard in Knicks history to average at least 24 points a game? Is it that he became just the second player in NBA history to average at least 24 points, six assists, and under 2.5 turnovers? No and no! It's that he did both of those things all while playing on a below-market contract that will become even more valuable under the new collective bargaining agreement. So yes, we should all be very thankful that the Mavericks had to find out the hard way that Jalen Brunson is more than meets the eye. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good, and that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? 
Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. I'll take this one because it's about you. Is DJ Zulo actually a DJ? The question of the night. I don't know the answer to this question. I am uh, sadly. I, I mean, I would be much cooler uh, if I was <laughs> uh, a disc jockey. Unfortunately, um, in a previous world, I did work in radio, which made this whole <laughs> very confusing to introduce myself to people. Believe me, um, no, it's a boring David John. Uh, unfortunately, you know, nothing else to that. Uh, my musical tastes are have not moved past 1993, so I could be your mm. DJ. It would be a lot of Pearl Jam and Smashing <laughs> and you know, um, sounds like a blast. <laughs> listen, I'll let you knock. Think you are not knocking Pearl Jam. You're not knocking. No, no, no uh, not knocking Pearl Jam. Just knocking DJing with Pearl Jam. That's all. That's yeah, all. that wouldn't be too fun. Yeah, it, it's it not necessarily going to be playing at your wedding. Pers- uh, put it that way. <laughs> Um, uh, wow, uh, this, uh, this is hard hitting news coming here. Dame, Dame Miller, <laughs> Dame Miller might leave Portland, and DJ Zulo is not actually a DJ. Wow, this is incredible no. stuff. <laughs> there it is on the bottom line. All right, what's the next question? Here we go. Dan Hidalgo, thank you, Dan, for the contribution. We appreciate it. Dan's always here for us. Uh, don't know if this was covered, but how do you feel about the new CBA? Oh yes, <laughs> good direction for the NBA. More parity. Um, yeah. All right. I can take this. I'll take this first. Go ahead. Um, although I don't I, look as as you all know, anybody watching this, Jeremy Cohen is our man to break down the new CBA. It is not either of us. Um, we are we are a bit. I should speak for myself. I am a bit of a novice when it comes to this stuff. What I will say, my my kind of my first reaction to it, and 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 as we've learned more, um, I, I haven't. I haven't it hasn't assuaged my fears about it, which is that I, I of all the things that we should penalize in this league, um, owners spending more on their teams and trying to win is not really one of them to me. Like that seems to be ultimately the focus here is to penalize the high spending teams more harshly. And to me, it's like we didn't address the bottom part of the league that isn't trying to win which is to me the worst part of the league. And we focused on the part of the league that's really trying very hard to win. Um, now, there's a parody argument to be made. This playoffs was very interesting because of the parody. Now, obviously, th- th- I think the parody will increase. I think, it, I think that is going to be a byproduct of this. Um, unless owners just say, screw it. Some of them are so rich, it won't even matter. I mean, I could see the Clippers spending whatever the hell they want. Um, yeah, or the, I mean, the Suns are doing it right now, right? The Suns are doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I guess that is the goal. But to me, that was kind of my reaction. To, and and mm. as as anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I'm like, I really like tanking is like, to me, like it is evil. It's actually evil. Um, so that's always my, where my focus would be in terms of like trying to legislate around this league what we can how we can make it better uh the regular season continues to lose value um 
there's a lot of the incentive structure seems to be out of whack in the league in a way that I think damages the product. That would have been the focus for me. I don't think the league has any issues due to the fact that we have had dynasties. Like I, I think the league, despite the fact that maybe there were a couple of playoff runs where the Warriors weren't, where it wasn't that interesting because you had the Warriors going there every year. I, I don't think that hurt the product. I think there are other things that are hurting the product that aren't necessarily being addressed. That was kind Would of my you, initial reaction. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, but could, now just to play devil's advocate here for a yeah. second. Are you in a better scenario for a league if you have a team like Orlando, um, they might not be the best example, but even a team like Indiana that actually sees a pathway. If this parody thing does sort of work its way out and we really are in a, a era where you could have every single year, 10 to 12 teams with a legitimate championship ceiling and every, in those 10 or 12 teams, you might get an Indiana every now and now and then you might get a team like Minnesota um, if things really work out, even this coming upcoming year, are you a healthier league in that way? Um, it's like the NFL model where you could every, every few years you have a turnover and you have a, a new sort of block of teams, unless you have a quarterback that is just transcendent. Um, you, you can have more parity. Is there an argument that that is actually a good thing? And this is, this actually could work out where you have a, you have a fan base from coast to coast and everything in between interested in what this league can bring them. I mean, because right now you really don't have that. You haven't had that in years. Well, we, I mean, we just had Denver. You just had Denver. I mean, what had to happen for that? To yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, a, a legendary draft pick, right? I mean, a, a transcendent. Right. Well, look, I mean, you have to draft well, and, and they're already taking advantage of those rules, right? So they, they'll tank when they have the right. small markets will tank when they have to tank. They do. The Spurs right. just did it. They got their transcendent star. Cleveland had LeBron for how many years? Because they drafted him. Um, and then he came back, but like, that was unique, but like, we, it's not like I, I, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm not, I'm not blind to the fact that there is a disadvantage to small market teams where, where free agents aren't likely to sign that said, I think there've been enough examples. I mean, you obviously go back to the Sp- of teams taking advantage of the current construct Spurs dynasty, Detroit, Cleveland, um, I mean, Indiana was good for years. It's not like the teams haven't had success, small markets, Oklahoma yeah. city. And, and it, to me, it's like they've had success. I don't, I don't feel like we need to give them more opportunity here. If we're already allowing the tanking scenario to take place, like that's their pathway and and they've taken advantage of it. And there have been success stories. And like, I, I don't know, I, I, maybe it's cause I'm a Knicks fan and I'm, I'm a New Yorker. Like I, yeah. I push back against the idea that we have to bend over backwards for small markets at the expense of, trying to win. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally get where you're coming from, but I don't know what else you do. Like what is the what is the other option here when you're if you're a small market, you're Indiana. Mm-hmm. You need to bottom out and you need to get the first pick. Mm-hmm. You need to get the second pick, maybe you get a, a transcendent star drafting uh second Kevin Durant. Pretty much yeah, it's really the first pick if you really want to go year, you know, year by year in the draft. The the all, the transcendent stars are drafted one. If you're not doing that, then what is your pathway? You're not getting any free agents to go to Indiana. I'm just using them as an, ex- an example because they are the poster child, I think, for the team that is not drawing anyone in there. Um, they're not. They haven't really bottomed out to the point where they haven't really been a ch- had a chance to draft in that that upper echelon. I get it, but you know, what do you do if you're Indiana? I mean, is your only pathway tanking? And then that's like you hate ta- tanking. Um, you've made that clear, and I agree <laughs> with you. I think it's it's 
it's just the worst thing you could do as a, you know, in terms of a, it's an entertainment product. You've mentioned this before, and I agree with you. So if you're openly tanking, you are just, you're damaging the product, but I don't know what else you do. And maybe in this new CBA, you have brought the ceiling down for teams in two and three years to come down to your level a little bit, to make it more advantageous to be in Indiana, to be in Orlando, to be a team that can maybe have a fighting chance. Right. It's, it's, I mean, that's certainly the counter. I, I, and you're right. And it's fair. And it's, you can't, you can't, uh, in some ways I'm arguing on both sides of my mouth. You can't argue that they can't, they shouldn't be tanking, but also that we need to allow teams to spend whatever they want to spend. Um, I guess I see under the current, right. Cause we're currently operating under the previous CBA. Yeah. I, I see a lot of success stories in small markets, even without tanking. I mean, Utah didn't tank. That was a team that, I mean, it wasn't built perfectly, but that's not because they didn't have access to talent. They built an extremely talented basketball team without, you know, mm-hmm. you have to hit on a draft pick somewhere, but not necessarily one through five. Yeah, um, that's a good point. You look at what Cleveland just did. I mean, they built through the draft. They did get the second pick, but they didn't have to trade that pick. And and that's not even the, like, they, they, they built up their assets. They made a trade for a guy and gave themselves a shot. Like, it didn't work out in the first round, thank God. But like, mm-hmm. again, that's, there, there are models here of teams that didn't have to necessarily like full on tank. Even look at, I mean, you go back a little bit, but Indiana making the Eastern conference finals a couple times against LeBron, like could have made the finals very easily. That wasn't a team that tanked for any super high draft pick. Like the models are there. It's doable. It's really hard. Yeah, it's Again, really there hard. is a, dis- yeah. there is a disadvantage. If you want to make it that every team has an equal shot, I, I, I it's not necessarily my, I don't feel like that makes a better league. I understand I'm a Knicks fan and I have advantages as a Knicks fan that other teams may not have, but I do feel like under the current construction, we still had enough variety, small market, big market that made it. We didn't have to go this far, but I I do understand the other point. I think, I think it's fair and it's an interesting conversation either way. Can I jump in? Please do, sir. Because your Mets hat. Yes. With my Mets hat. Um, (laughs) What's your payroll right now? Listen, it's 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 a tough time at the moment. <laughs> okay, but this is not Mets therapy. We're talking about literally anything else at the moment. Um, so I think there is an important distinction to what you don't like, Benji, and it's not necessarily like teams rebuilding, which has happened forever. Which is how you build the the market, um, how you flatten the odds a bit, and that's I mean, Silver tried to get rid of tanking by uh, flattening the lottery odds. And it just meant more teams like Portland were just going to figure out, uh, pick a point in the season, and then they were just going to start losing, Mm -hmm. you know? But what I think you don't like, Benji, which I agree with, but also like we've discussed this a lot throughout the season, is teams that could fight to be like an eight or a seven or a (laughs) six seed and then deciding, you know what? We're actually going to hold back because we want as good of lottery odds as possible. Because if you you don't need to bottom out all the way, just get the seventh best odds or the sixth best odds, and you may end up with Scoot Henderson, like what Portland did. Where mm-hmm. I actually do think we've seen forever the Cleveland situation, where it's like, all right, we were good, and then we're rebuilding for a couple of years. We're building through the draft, and then the route. The moment we start to get good, we make an all in trade for Donovan Mitchell, like. The Indiana example that you bring up, DJ, Indiana's had one top 10 pick in the last like 20 years. And it was, uh, what was it, last year when they took um, uh, Matherin? Like they've mm-hmm. largely built through the middle of the draft. 
And right. they've been one of the the more success stories that Benji's talking about in that what Hinky did in the extreme of like, I'm going to, I'm going to trade anybody that's a hint of value because I want future picks and to be as ass as possible. That is something I reject. Like Michael Carter Williams wins rookie of the year. And then a year later when the marketing department for the Sixers is like, all right, well, we got one of our stars. Right. And he's like, no, I'm going to trade him away because we can get like, I'm only looking at players as assets. That I think is what, like I hate more. And I think what mm-hmm. you hate more is that as an entertain, entertainment product, this young team could win more, but an organizational effort to lose more um, exists. Instead of what we've seen of like, oh, this team, like the, the Pistons this year, I don't think they like could have won more. They decided at a certain point, like we're rebuilding and mm-hmm. our cap on the season was 22 wins. Cade's hurt. So rather than him fight to try to get to those 22 wins, we'll settle for 17. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think, look, I I don't, I might prefer just like the wheel or some other, you know, kind of draft or no draft at all. Like certain things that have been pitched, uh, you know, we don't have to get into kind of all the details. It's, it's, you know, maybe a podcast on its own, kind of the best way to do this and run the league. Um, I don't, think that it's necessarily the best thing for the league. Anyway, I think there are other ways maybe to come to some sort of parity or give small markets a chance if we feel like we have to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think there comes a point like for OKC next year will be an interesting test case where like they've done this for three, four years now, uh, or I think three, shouldn't say five, I think three years now, and they've gotten a lot of talent and I think they're ready now to start winning. And they, I guess they did to some extent last year. Do they, Go for it now. Like at some point, do you you owe it to your fans to try to actually start to win games? I think, and 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 I and it's there's a balance there. And under the current construct, I I think you can find it. I guess is my point. Um, without resorting to this, you know, the, the shame of it to me, I guess, having this this penal a or their second apron or whatever it is, is not necessarily like I, I think a lot of the. A lot of these super teams that have been built in the last five years have failed miserably, spectacularly, right? Like, I don't, it's hard sometimes to build that and make it work, especially because some of the superstars that want to move around are, are hard to build around for various ways, for various reasons. I, I, what the shame of it to me is if like a team does build through the draft or, or drafts well and now is scared to sign all of the guys that they developed and because they're, they're, they have a fear of that second apron. Mm. Like, you've done Good it point. the right, you've done it the right way. And now what do we do? Can we sign? I don't know what the, what the example would be, but like, you know, a team that's coming up now. I mean, hell, the Knicks now. I mean, how, how can we extend all of our guys? Can we extend quickly Grimes, Obi, and like just keep this going? And we're going to have to sign Brun- Brunson to this max contract. Like, can we do that? We've done it the right way. We built the right way. But like, this is so penal. I'm not sure that they can. Um, that's a good. It, well, and it, it depends on the, what, what the owner's willing to spend in the end of the day, which is hard. Yeah, and I think a team like Houston's going through it right now, where they're uh, they're rumored to be interested in Brooke Lopez. I mean, obviously James Harden. So you do that move, and you bring in a big salary or two next year. Jalen Green's up for an extension. Sengun's up for an extension, and then you're in this situation where if you get 
for these rookies to hit. And that's you, that's might be a higher percentage and what will actually happen, but you're going to have to start making really tough decisions where you may not be able to sign Tari Eason when he's uh, due for an extension in, in two years. Right. And, and so, and so those players get spread around the league right? and that goes to the parity point and it Parapry. will achieve that and it will achieve that, but I'm just not sure that's necessarily, I guess that's, that's kind of where, yeah. I, where I come at. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.